Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Sunday morning. One of my favorite organizations based here in town is the Morris Animal Foundation. We've talked to her before, and I always look forward to talking to Kelly Deal. She is the Senior Director of Science and Communications. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for coming back and talking to us. You know I'm a big fan of the Morris Animal Foundation, but I have to admit I know a lot of people are still not familiar with it. Explain to people who you are. Yeah, sure. Well, Morris Animal Foundation was founded in 1948, and we're based right here in Denver. And we work every day to find solutions to health problems, threatening animals everywhere, and mainly through our granting mechanism. And those animals include dogs, cats, we do horses, alpacas, llamas, and and wildlife. So you're funding different things? Is that what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So we get donations, and then we're granting organizations. So each year we have several calls, and we receive proposals from all over the world, actually. We have fundees as far away as Australia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And over the years, we funded about, we're just closing in on $146 million in almost 3,000 studies. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Tell me about some of the big studies that will affect people and their pets that they might not realize the Morris Animal Foundation has been involved with. Right, absolutely. And a, a couple that I think will be really familiar to pet owners out there is we did some of the very early work. We funded the work on the development of the parvovirus, first canine parvovirus Mm -hmm. vaccine, and also the first feline leukemia virus vaccine. So those are two examples. One that's kind of neat that I think every one of us who've ever been in a shelter or when we go to a store and we see, you know, that animals up for adoption, the little portals in the cat room, you know, where they have the little portals, we helped develop those. Through a grant we gave about a decade ago. It's amazing. I did not know that. That, Yep, that was us. I know it's a a crazy, it was part of a, a Happy Healthy Cat campaign. So the focus was shelter and rescue cats uh-huh. and improving their health. That is really cool. And I, and I love hearing about this. Um, you had a tie with Australia and the fires years ago. What did you guys do there? Right. We allocated a million dollars. I think a lot of us remember in, even though it was right before the pandemic, in the winter of 2019-2020, Australia really had some of the worst bushfires they've ever had. And we allocated a million dollars toward studying just the effects on wildlife, um, everything from triaging wildlife to the use of antibiotics, to the best ways to get these guys rehabilitated. And actually, some of those studies are still in progress and just wrapping up. So we hope to have some information from them soon. I mean, knock on wood, they've been lucky and have had an easy bushfire season last year. But as you know, they're coming into their summer. And we're hoping that some of our work will help inform if they have more bushfires this year. Well, I know. And I think all of us remember those heartbreaking pictures of rescuers just going and pulling the koala bears off the trees and they had the burned paws. And it was it was so heartbreaking. Right, right. Absolutely. I think people estimate, you know, almost a billion animals affected. And I may be off in that number, but it's a huge number, right? Because you're not just affecting koalas, you're affecting even invertebrates, reptiles, that whole ecosystem was 
disrupted in, in just enormous ways. Right, right. And I love the fact that once again, the Morris Animal Foundation is there doing studies to help all of us because, I mean, we suffer from wildfires here in our state. So, I mean, and, what you learn there could have huge implications here and around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we were excited to be able to fund into Australia at that point. Right. And another study I know you did, and I think for so many people owning golden retrievers, um, I mean, they're the biggest love bugs out there. Talk about that study. I, I find this fascinating. For sure. This is one of our biggest studies and one of the only studies we actually manage in-house, right? I mentioned we're a granting agency, so of course we typically give grants to other people. But this study is the Golden Retriever Lifetime Study. It is following 3,044, so there's the exact number, mm-hmm. uh, Golden Retrievers, through their, we're hoping through their lifetime. It is at its core a cancer risk study. And what we're doing with these dogs is we've followed them. Oh, they had to be under two years of age to be eligible to enroll. Mm -hmm. And we're following them through their lives. And we're collecting every little bit of data we can. Environmental data, such as what's the flooring in your house? Mm -hmm. What's the main heating source? All the way to very, very detailed nutrition data. We're also got genetic data on these dogs. We have their DNA and we're actually analyzing it right now. And the hope is when we get to the end and we're in our 10th year already, which is amazing, is we can tell, you know, risk factors for cancer and maybe actually risk factors for not getting cancer, Mm -hmm. which we often don't think about. But who doesn't get cancer can tell us a lot as much as dogs that do. No, absolutely. And I mean, we lost our golden retriever before he was nine to cancer. Um, so I know it affects a lot of families. What is the percentage of golden retrievers that come down with cancer? Um, estimates point to about 60% will die of cancer, right? So wow. that's a huge percentage and it's bigger than a lot of other breeds of dogs. We have lost, gosh, Two hundred between two hundred and three hundred dogs right now to cancer mm-hmm. in the study, and that's ten percent. Right, and uh, it it's every day. Yeah, we are unfortunately our average age of dog is eight and a half years, as you mentioned. Yeah, when that was mine too. Yeah, yeah, we're we're seeing unfortunately a lot of our dogs pass away. We do have a few oldsters that are that are getting up there, but it is. Unfortunately, what we sort of expected would happen around this time. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I had not realized the percentage of golden retrievers that would pass away from cancer when I got mine. So I love that you're doing this study to kind of help it out because, I mean, they're such the family dog and such a Colorado dog. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're one of the most popular breeds always, right, yeah. in the United States. You always see that. And it's unfortunate because they're great dogs, yeah. right? They're wonderful family members and to see them suffering from cancers is terrible. Yeah, it really is. So I'm I'm so thrilled with that campaign you're doing. Well, tell me about this end of year campaign. What's that all about? Right. Well, we have, this is one of our, of course, biggest fundraising events of the year. And from November 1st, on November 1st, we began our two month end of year campaign, which obviously ends December 31st. And this year, we've got a really fun theme. We're talking about how the foundation funds research to solve animal health puzzles. Mm -hmm. 
And so we've focused on maybe some studies that we've done that are trying to get a missing piece, right, Mm -hmm. into a big complex health problem in animals. Like what? Give me an example. Uh, The parvovirus one I mentioned before, I think what people don't remember or people old like me remember, is when this came up, no one even knew when the disease struck what it was. People were like, is it a toxin? Is it something in the environment? Is it a bacteria? Is it food? No one even knew it was a virus. Mm -hmm. And our work, our funding helped the Cornell University identify, first of all, it was a virus and then help with a vaccine. So that's the kind of thing we'll often do is run in and find out, well, what is causing a new disease that's maybe never been seen before? What do you find, what are you thinking you're seeing right now or what do you expect to start studying? What's that new health puzzle? What might it be? Oh, that is interesting. One that we're doing a fair amount of work on is the effect of noise and noise pollution, environmental noise, even if it's not, quote, loud, on the health of animals and we have a study at university of denver on crickets and i know people are going really crickets and we think of crickets chirping in the summer but think about that crickets are really really they communicate via noise they find mates Mm -hmm. and if they can't communicate because of background noise they can actually have reproductive problems, which again seems people are like, it seems like there's tons of crickets. But that is really a big problem because they're at the base of the food web. Oh, and they're okay. a very, very important source of food for animals and then just build up from there, right? Who eats crickets and then and and so the loss of crickets is actually pretty important for the health of our ecosystem. Because if they disappear, then other animals are going to disappear. Yeah, I never thought about the noise part of the health of an animal or a cricket. Right, absolutely. We're also doing one in in dolphins, which I think a lot of people know. They click, right? That's how they they, uh, communicate, Mm -hmm. through clicks and sounds. And they suffer from the same problems, which is they can't find mates. Sometimes they can't find food because their their echolocation is being disrupted by boat noise, actually. And so we're studying in Indonesia... The Straits of Indonesia, if people can remember their geography, that's a really heavy area for boat traffic, Mm -hmm. and it's disrupting the dolphins. That is, I mean, that is an incredible thing to think about because, you know, we hear about pollution or we hear about toxins and things like that, and you're like, okay, you can picture them, especially with, like, the smog here in Denver, but I didn't think about noise pollution and how it would affect different animals. I mean, crickets, yeah, we all have them in the summer. Right, exactly, and it's startling statistic provided by actually University of Denver in the United States, about 83% of the United States, think of the entire United States, even deep in the woods, have some traffic noise that can be heard and is heard and perceived by animals. And that's huge. That is huge. I would be interested to know, too, does this affect us as humans as well? Right. Well, there is evidence that noise does it can cause stress mm-hmm. and uh, in people and obviously loud noises do but even there's some kind of question about what kind of background noise might affect people in ways we just don't perceive right and you've got to figure if it's affecting animals it's affecting us too somehow absolutely absolutely we hear it right we right. just tune it out but maybe at a cost right, right. when we tune 
just tune stuff out. Right. Really fascinating. Uh, tell me, I know as you're, you're in your big fundraising thing, as we were talking about your fundraising campaign right now, um, what do you need from folks? Because you do have a big match. Is that right? We do. Once again, our wonderful board of trustees is matching all gifts up to 200000 through the end of the year. So donating now will double your impact, which is fantastic. And we also have holiday cards. And the cool thing about the holiday cards is they will qualify. They're eligible for the match. So if you go to our website and order cards, that will work too for unlocking the match. And they're really terrific cards. So you can uh, support us in a little different way. You can obviously donate, but you can also do it through sending holiday cards, which spreads our name out there. And um, we get even triple the impact then because we, we get other people to maybe take a look at us. Yeah, I love that. And by the way, it's morrisanimalfoundation.org. Where can they find the cards on there? If you go to the donate area, they'll have a whole list, but you can also just type in the search holiday cards and that'll take you there as well. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Kelly Deal with the Morris Animal Foundation, I always love the work that you're doing. And I I love the fact that you guys do so much here in Colorado, but around the world. For folks that want to make a donation, let's give them the website one more time and remind them how long this big end of year campaign is going on until. Absolutely. So go to Morris Animal Foundation, all one word, dot org. And our campaign will run till December 31st. Right. End of year campaign. You can make a donation. I'm looking at your website right now. It's so easy to navigate. So I think when folks go to the website, they will see what an impact you all are having on the world here in Colorado. It really is cool seeing the map that says our global impact. Absolutely. I think it's it's a fun website to navigate around. So if you donate, take some time and take a peek around while you're there. Definitely do that. MorrisAnimalFoundation.org. Kelly Deal, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thanks so much, Melissa, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. Always a pleasure talking with you. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. For more information, you can always go to the radio station's website. You can also share this podcast on your social media if you want to get more information, get word out about the Morris Animal Foundation, and check them out at MorrisAnimalFoundation.org. Go have a great Sunday. Be blessed. Be kind to everyone.